0: Straight from Boston, it's Founder Thought, the show that has everything from advice, ideas, and inspiration from founders and business owners that made it all happen. I
1: decided not to continue pursuing a PhD in clinical psychology and decided to jump into the advertising world.
0: Today, we're here with Michael Haviland, the founder of Do Good Marketing.
1: Okay, so uh, I am Mike Haviland, uh, the founder and president of Do Good Marketing. Uh, a virtual ad agency located in uh, the New York City metro area. So,
2: Michael, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. So um, I grew up in northern New Jersey, lived here my whole life. Um, I actually went to school, uh, got my bachelor's in in psychology um, and had done actually published some very uh, dry research uh, when I was in college <laughs> which was the effects of electroconvulsive shock therapy on your hypothalamus and eating and drinking behavior in Evansville white hooded rats. Oh, wow. And somehow <laughs> that brought me to advertising.
0: <laughs> Smooth <laughs> transition there.
1: Yeah. No, so uh, basically what happened there was um, I was able to take some very, very complicated information. And, uh, and I think I found my strength was assimilating that information and making it very simple for people to understand. The other part of studying the psychology was understanding people's thought process, what motivates them, and so forth. So, I decided not to continue pursuing a, a PhD in clinical psychology and decided to jump into the advertising world. And I've been there since uh, geez, one year out of college, so a long time.
2: So, when Michael, when you did get involved in advertising, the transition was easy or was hard, or how it was the transition? it was uh it was interesting to say the least
1: uh, my first job out of college was handling um major movie releases in the, in new york city uh so oh, wow. i went from rats to, to other kinds of rats actually <laughs> um, uh so yeah i mean to tell you how old i am uh, i worked on the original ghostbusters movie and and uh, the original risky oh, business wow. movie so it was a totally totally different dynamic and a different time, a little bit of, certainly a crazy time working at a big agency in New York.
0: So tell us a little bit about Do Good Marketing. Tell us what what you do exactly.
1: Sure. Well, um, I guess there's two parts to that. So uh, I founded Do Good Marketing now, I guess, uh, in 2007 um, and had run an agency with a partner prior to that for about 14 years. So I've been doing this for quite a while. But Do Good Marketing really was sort of the culmination of my dream to use my business Uh, to do good things and hence the name. Um, So I work with a lot of nonprofit groups. Um, Mm -hmm. It enables me to make silly financial decisions that don't affect anybody else, but me. Um, And um, and it's been great. It's been a great ride, Uh, obviously with its ups and downs and so forth, but, uh, but always with the focus on the mission of using the business uh, to make the world a better place. Even just my little, part of
2: it. Amazing. And Michael, what the challenges you face when, like, when you develop a, a business like Do Good Marketing, I think uh, not everybody will accept the vision of the company or the meaning of the company. Did you find this, did you see this a challenge? Yeah, uh, certainly in my previous agency,
1: our technology wasn't quite there yet for true uh, a true virtual agency. Uh, in 2007, I felt that the the technology was there to support it. And quite frankly, what it enabled me to do was reconnect with people that I had worked in my past at other agencies and so forth who had spun off their own agencies. And it enables us to collaborate. None of us, quite frankly, love to manage people. We love to do the work. Um, and we love to do work with people who know how to do their job so that we don't have to babysit them. So, <laughs> That's um, amazing. Yeah, it's sort of fun, actually, that uh, having all experienced people doing what they do. Um, but there are challenges, uh, you know. For for less now, but a few years ago, uh, I'm going to say some of the larger, more established clients, uh, larger companies, I should say, not necessarily more established, were very hesitant and uh, to work with a virtual ad agency. Um, uh, not that they didn't understand the concept, but they wanted the bricks and mortar. They wanted they wanted you know 15 people to physically be at a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, And and I worked in that world uh, when I started in a large agency and everybody's billable when they all show up at the meeting and the travel's Mm -hmm. billable. And the only, the only people that's really good for is the agency Mm -hmm. less so for the client. Um, The other part of that is the model of using experienced people. Again, not a, not a slam on a large agency. I mean, that's how they make money, but um, many times the pitch, group was different than the actual group that wound up doing the work. So Mm -hmm. not that it was an intentional bait and switch, but it was an eventual bait and switch where, (laughs) you know, you had senior vice presidents pitching and then quite frankly, having very little uh, input after the accounts were landed, especially for those medium to smaller accounts.
0: Absolutely. So how do you, how do you define
1: doing good? Well, two sides of that. So doing good uh, in terms of doing good marketing for our clients. Um, and then the second part of that is uh, that does good. And that is using our, our time and talent and, uh, and some of our finances to support good causes and nonprofits. So mm-hmm. that's the good marketing that does good component uh, to the agency. Um, but I think the first part of that is doing good marketing for our clients in general, that, that's mm-hmm. where it starts. And if we do that, it enables us to do good marketing and then to do good because of it for others.
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michael, uh, you do a lot like giving back through your cycling team. Your, uh, can you tell us, a little bit about what you do, have an activity out of the office to give back also? Yeah, um,
1: you know, people joke, they always say, oh, are you a cyclist? And I say, no, I, I like to ride my bike far. <laughs> And um and and that's really how it started. Um, through a series of other physical uh, s- surgeries and so forth, um, I was shut down from running and, and a couple of other things. But uh, I've been able to ride my bike. So, um, the New England Parkinson's Ride uh, up in Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Uh, Susan and I—that's uh, my, my wife, Susan. Um, we jumped in. I guess oh, this will be our eleventh year. The first year we signed up for a hundred-mile bike ride that you do in one day and. We didn't know any better, but we did it and um, and raised some nice money for the cause and have been attached. I think that first year there were about maybe 120 of us last mm-hmm. year and probably raised, gosh, I don't know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars last year. Oh wow! We had we had, um, uh, had 1300 riders raised one point three million dollars in a day, making oh, wow. it the single largest one day fundraiser for the michael j fox foundation for parkinson's research so yeah and now i'm working with a a gentleman on the west coast socal ride for parkinson's um uh, whose wife was diagnosed a couple years ago and he started this ride last year Mm -hmm. um and so we're helping him and i don't know if i'm going to be able to go out and do that ride but that's what we like to do Uh, we do um long trail ride for adaptive sports up in Vermont in June. Um, we've done the ALS ride out in Napa Valley. And most of these things are causes that are very close to, uh, well, Sue and I for sure uh, mm-hmm. having either family or friends who have been affected by um, various diseases and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, the part is, you know, when we're not on our bike, you know, I think uh, feeling strongly about children's education and, uh, and, and basically, and the poverty so that people don't have enough food. So we work mm-hmm. in we work in different uh, food pantries and so forth. And uh, Sue's actually more active on the children's part. Cause, uh, it's harder for me to get away during the day to, to work with the kids in school. But, um, mm-hmm. you know. She
0: gets to have all the fun.
2: <laughs> she does.
1: <laughs> she gets to read to the, you know, kindergartners and first graders, uh, you know, in the inner city, which is just a blast. And I miss that.
2: So, Michael, if, if we can go back, Larry, for do-good marketing and what what kind of services you offer. But before we get there, can I ask, like, because when we talk about how we started marketing, obviously now the marketing has shifted big time. And how you see this change in the marketing industry? we
0: are talking about traditional and digital. Sure, yeah.
2: yeah. I would
1: say, um, if and without giving a probably an accurate percentage. I'd have to look at that. But um, the shift from traditional to digital has been huge, especially the last five to 10 years. Um, You can see that by, and I'll take specifically how the newspaper business is, is no longer really a valid, valid model, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're moving to the digital platform as well. But um, I would say, you know, as a as a joke with most of the clients when they say they want to do this and that, I say, okay, you know, where's the local pizza parlor? And they all go into their phone and look it up. I go, exactly. (laughs) That's that is where the battle is waged. So you might be able to look it up in the paper once in a while and find, you know, Enzo's pizza parlor, but odds are you're going to your phone or your tablet or your computer. And uh, that's where we, that's the war we have to win from a marketing standpoint.
0: Tell us a little bit about um, some of your successes.
2: Yeah, I know, is there know. a particular account job? let little bit more. What inspire you? Like, which one account did inspire to work on and make different?
1: Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's sort of funny. Uh, it's a funny question. So I'm not going to name the client only because uh, I don't want to out them. But uh, the <laughs> the I think the client that I'm probably most proud of is not because of the work we did but the work that they allowed us to do. And what I mean by that is in order to do, I'm going to say specifically great creative or or sort of groundbreaking strategy, you have to have a client who's willing to jump off the cliff with you. Mm -hmm. And and there are very few of them because it's it's easy to take the safe route. It's easy. But Mm -hmm. when you're really trying to, you know, create some sort of, uh, you know, crazy impact uh, and you don't have a lot of money to do that, the way to do that is to do something completely out of bounds, uh, completely different. And so with this client, they were in the chemical, they still are, they're in the chemical and fragrance industries. And basically everybody's goop is exactly the same formula. (laughs) I mean, it's literally, it has to be, it's made to a spec. Um, But they were sort of an interesting group and, and the head of the company um, was kind of a grateful (laughs) dead guy. And so, the whole image and the whole vibe in the company was very different than what you would expect from like a GVADON or, or, or something like that, you know, one of these major, major chemical companies. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went with this whole kind of hippie yippie theme that just totally took off everything from the barrels that were in the, uh, in the warehouses, which everybody's is basically gray with a label, Well, we made ours purple and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it didn't cost anymore. And we put big tie dye bands around them and said, yippee, the goop's here. <laughs> and, and so, and so when you'd go into the distributors, you'd look and there were all these gray barrels, but all of our barrels were lined up like you were in a grocery store with the labels facing out, which mm-hmm. was our name and, and this yippee band around it. Um, and it enabled us even at trade shows to create so much more impact. Uh, you know, we had, a. A Volkswagen Beetle, uh, like from the movie The Love Bug from years ago, completely refurbished and you put your, you know, you, you put your card in and you got to use it for, the, you know, the weekend while you were there during the trade show. And we gave oh, well. it tie dye underwear. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was just um, and it, now that has been going on for so many years. And I think when we started with them, they were just about a 10 million dollar company. And I know now they're closer to a 60 million dollar company. That's amazing. So, and they've stayed true to it. I mean, there's been new iterations of the campaign and, and the strategy, but they're still the people that other people really want to do business with.
2: So, Michael, when you, when you, because everybody faces this challenge, but when you have a client who does not want to jump the cliff with you, how we convince them this is the right way or this is the right idea, or how you uh, make them uh, see that the direction you want to go or what direction they should be going.
1: Yeah. I mean, one is whatever we recommend has to be reflective of the honesty of who they are. So I can't say that you're a hippie company and then everybody's in grape inside suits like the -hmm. reality has to match up. So we're not going to tell somebody to go way out on the edge if they're a law firm and they're not an edgy law firm. Um, You know, we're going to have to be true to their brand and who they actually are so that it's consistent when people do respond that they're delivering on what we're telling them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, so I can't, I, we can't move everybody over to edgy or or taking a major leap, but what we can do is we can look at areas where we say, Hey, let's give this a try. And it might be a, like, it might be a unique strategy as opposed to a unique creative strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at the things that are sort of as a, a and a good example is that, uh, this was a few years ago in, in, um, In a golf journal uh, for Mm -hmm. a particular client, an insurance company, um, which every page is green because it's all golf courses, except for ours. Ours was snow. Nobody plays golf in the snow, really. Mm -hmm. And and, and what we were saying is long after this tournament is over, we're here. Mm -hmm. And, And the impact on that was so breakthrough. But we use traditional media, we use traditional means. In this case, we actually stayed with a really traditional, um, uh, you know, creative strategy. It was just implemented a little differently. So it's, uh, you know, it, we always are looking just for a different twist. I mean, one strategic twist, and this is several years ago, working on, um, well, this was an Italian, um, an Italian, uh, what do you call it, chocolate company or candy company. And mm-hmm. they, had a, they had a candy and, um, a, and it had had a real Italian heritage to it so that even the the name of the candy meant something in in Italian. It meant kisses in Italian, but the rest of the world didn't know that. And I'm not Italian, and I sort of joked with them. I said, you know, I have a lot of Irish friends who said they like chocolate. (laughs) 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 You know, I go, go, why can't we sell it to them? You know, and, you know, it was almost heresy at that time. They were like, wait, what do you mean? We're going to go beyond the Italian delis? I'm like, yeah. So we took the concept of their heritage and explained what it meant by giving this candy to somebody in in Italy, but really then very traditionally talked about what are the attributes and well, it had hazelnut, it has this and, you know, Mm -hmm. it tasted, it tasted great. So again, it's that sort of unique twist. But in this case, the way we did, we looked at that was look at the market. Your, na- your market was so narrow, focusing only on, for instance, Italian delis and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. We opened up the market and and th- we had research to support it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I I was the only Irish guy in there. And that was, little, <laughs> that, that was a little tough. I said, you know, I'm Irish. I go, you know, we have big families. What can I tell you? They eat chocolate.
0: So um, what advice would you give to new or upcoming entrepreneurs or
1: founders? Yeah that's a tough one. Um, I, I think stay with it. Um, mm-hmm. because things are going to happen. They always happen. Um, but it's the idea of, of staying with your mission, your passion. Um, that's what makes it go forward and, and keeps it continuing. Um, you know, every failure is just an opportunity to learn, learn from it, move on to the next thing. I mean, I, any any successful entrepreneur, they're lying if they said they didn't have some failures along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So prepare for it. It's just part of the journey. And uh, it's not, you know, it's not always a pleasurable part of the journey. But when you look at it in the rearview of your mirror, uh, it, it feels a lot better. Absolutely.
2: So, M- Michael, right now, like, if you look at everybody in the world, they think they are creative or they think they have... Uh, what they need to be a founder. What do you think, that, to be a founder, to be a business owner, to be leadership, what do you think that those people they need to have? Like what what qualities? qualities they need to have? Uh, to start something? To start something, because a lot of people they think they can do it, but I don't, for me, from what we see, it's not for everybody. It's not everybody wants to take the challenge. Not everybody, everybody wants to fail. Of
0: it. Everybody likes the whole, it's it's very, uh, it's this fun, sexy idea, but it's not always sustainable for most
1: people. No, uh, I mean, I I like it. Well, I have a number of people who I've mentored in the past and, you know, they're thinking about starting a business and I and I always say to them the same thing I said, you know, the part where you're thinking of starting a business is like when you stand on the edge of the cliff and it's Mm -hmm. a little scary once you start you dive off the cliff and there's only one way to go forward. And of course some of them say, yeah, but you crash. I go, and you get up. (laughs) I go, that's the key. You got to stick with it. I said, but once it's almost freeing, once you make that decision to move forward Mm -hmm. Um, and and have good people, like have good people that you can rely on, you know, that, and I don't mean just working for you or with you, but, but counseling you, people who are, who are maybe in different industries, but have run businesses and what have Mm -hmm. they gone through and, um, there are a lot of organizations that you can tap into to get help like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Amazing. don't be shy. Uh,
2: and let me ask you, Michael, th- let's continue in this point. Who inspire you? Like, what's your inspiration for you? Like, uh... <laughs> That's so funny. So my parents inspired me, which
1: is totally antithetical to what I'm going <laughs> to tell you next. Um, my dad was a mailman and my mom mm-hmm. was a stay-at-home mom that worked Also. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and the thing that I learned most for them was that they had a passion for, for doing good. No joke. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I saw that and I said, wow, the other part is, and people say, oh, the mailman thing. I I go, my dad was home every day, Mm -hmm. you know, by three o'clock when I got home from school to have a catch with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, I, nobody is going to allow me. Well, first I couldn't be a good postman because I hated walking the route. I did it one summer, <laughs> but beyond that part of it, the, the, the flexibility that that gave me and, and there would be nobody who would give me a, a job that would allow me the flexibility. Now I, I might, you know, being at five o'clock in the morning, I might be working, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, but the flexibility of running the business um, gave me the opportunity to fulfill two passions. One is, using the business to, for sort of a higher purpose. And the second was to be available to my family uh, all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: That's
1: you amazing. Know? So those were, those were the priorities in my life. I probably could have made more money if I stayed in New York,
0: but. And it, one more question, Michael, when it comes to your success, how mm-hmm. much do you attribute to luck and how much to
1: skill? Oh boy. Uh well, I'm gonna divide that in three pieces. <laughs> um one third is having somebody along the journey with me, uh, in terms of my wife who supports my craziness. Mm. Uh so she knows I'm certifiably insane, uh, but she's she's she just <laughs> she's she okay walks, with it. <laughs> she walks along the crazy road with me every day, you know. Um, so I think I think that's certainly a, a one part of it. I think that the skill part of it is always being that not always that everybody that works with you is better than you in what they do.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I should be the weakest link link in the chain for a client. And, and I hope by working with people who are accomplished, who are experts in, you know, in their field, that that's what we deliver, you know? Um, And then the luck part, my family has made fun of me since I was a kid um, that I don't recognize when I've had bad luck because somehow Mm -hmm. something always comes out of it for me. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they like, they think I'm Pollyanna or something. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, no, I I understand bad stuff happens to me, but, and I'll just use, so, you know, you break a leg or or something and, you know, it it shuts you down from, from running for the rest of your life. And, you know, I like to run, but, but then they say, but you can ride a bike. All oh, right. Well, I'll, I love to ride a bike now. You know, like there's mm-hmm. there's always, you know, as, as sort of trite as it sounds, when one door closes, one door does open. You just have mm-hmm. to be willing to walk through it. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm lucky. I'm always lucky. I mean, I've lost clients and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And then sometimes like within a week,
2: something new comes in. So yeah, I, but- I think I just believe that, that it'll always happen that way. You know, and Michael, just to jump here, like, you know, when you say crazy or what you said in the beginning of first part, but if you'd be able to start a business or to do something, what you do, they have to be different. They have to believe they are different to do something, what what you do? Because if you are like everybody else, you're not going to be able to do what you're doing. So I think you have to be different. You have to be unique. Yeah, it's a good crazy. Yeah, it is good to crazy. You have to it's, be. You have to it's be. it's being optimistic when you shouldn't be optimistic. I mean, yes. that's crazy,
1: you know, you but but it works out.
2: You have to see in good in everything you see. So Yeah. I mean, my family, they always make fun cuz
1: I, you know, I say, you know, it always works out. They're like, yeah, but it doesn't always work out the way you want it. I go, I didn't say that. <laughs> I go, but it always does work out. I go, you just have to deal with when it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. And maybe there's a reason for that, that you don't know.
0: Absolutely. So um, yeah, Michael, if you can let people know how they can contact you.
1: Sure. So um, you could uh, reach me uh, uh, on our phone, 201-204-4663. My extension's 207. Uh, we are at on the web, and um, we're on Skype. We're pre- you can pretty much reach us anyway. We're on LinkedIn, or I'm in LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, love to hear from anybody who uh, hopefully has nice things to say. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being thank on Founder Thought.
1: We you appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. It, it was a nice break today. Thank you for listening to Founder Thought. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at founderthought.com. Founderthought is a production of Pepper Gang.